1: Well met, fellow adventurers. In the previous episode, we were delivering a package to the town of Wed... Or was it a village? It's the town. The town of Wedwaran. And uh, at first, it seems like it was completely deserted. But then as I continue to have a look around, visiting various, various major buildings... I then discovered that, in fact, everyone in the town has been possessed by something. And now I have to fight my way through all the buildings. Also, also probably what is properly connected in some way, the Circle of Warding, that has presumably been protecting the town, has had three of its nine stones removed i found two of them so far, and I've put one back, oh, I've finished two buildings, now on to the stable. Moving across the gloomy, rain-swept town square, with your every sense alert, you head for the stables. You reach the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening before cautiously making your way inside. Web Rowan's main stable takes up most of the southern side of the town square. The long wooden structure, capable of housing a great number of horses. Horses has several large doors that open directly onto the main thoroughfare. Through several of the building's well-kept stores are pre- presently occupied by stalls, by horses, <laughs> including the two draft horses that I put in here, so they didn't get rained on. There is no sign of anyone in or around the stable. A quick and cautious search of the premise turns up nothing of any particular interest. Leave the stables. Suddenly, you're less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing and you instinctively spin around only to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description. Standing together in the centre of the stables, how did they get there? Only a few yards from you are six men and women, their heads hung low and their low and their expressionless faces, and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raise their heads, transferring their caunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by the ghoulish, lurking legion. By a ghoulish lurking legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into defensive stance, your mind wastes to determine a course of action. Possessed Hall continues to advance. Alright, what someone's coming at me. It's a young man with a jagged length of wood. I described them more thoroughly in the first episode. So I'm, I'm gonna do this quickly. Because they all fight the same because they're all being puppeted by the same thing, presumably. On to the next one. That was 22 XP. Keep going. And I've got a special in. 22 XP. Three, it's a middle-aged woman. Wielding something. Viciously assails you and she is subdued. Possessed young man with the jagged length of wood. Keep bashing, bashing, bashing. No, stabby, stabby, stabby. But, you know, in a nice way. 22 XP. Possessed old woman with an iron wad. Yes, she tries to stagger me. Sometimes I... Sometimes it works. 22 XP. The last of the possessed foes... That's the possessed foes. A young woman, hands cut cl- tightly clutching a shovel. It's a possessed young woman, and so on. This is the assails you. Keep going, keep going, and she is subdued. Twenty-two XP. Hundred and sixty XP to general. You step back, maintaining a guarded stance as your eyes scour the interior of the stables for any sign of danger. Much to immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from the battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the stables. With one wire on the door, you make a thorough search of the stables. The clustered corner of the stables, you make a discovery. Next to one of the defeated townsfolk, you discover a sizable and weighty square stone. Several strange symbols have been engraved upon its weathered surface. You immediately recognise the stone to be one of those missing from the circle of warding in the centre of town. You promptly take possession of the heavy stone, warding stone, that's my second, on me right now, I'm the third in total. This heavy, roughly square stone is engraved with several symbols of warding. It is undoubtedly one of the stones missing from the circle of from the circle of nine in the centre of red wine. After a quick search reveals nothing else of any particular interest. You spend the next several moments checking over your equipment as you contemplate your next course of action. Red Warren's main table takes most of the summer side of the town square. The long wooden structure, capable of housing a great number of horses, has four large doors that open directly onto the main thoroughfare. Let's just leave these stables now. Make your way out the stables and back into the dark, dreary, wainscot town square. All right, let's use these warding stones. 128 experience to general. you set two warding stones in your you set the two warding stones in your possession back into their proper places in the broad wings. The wing of sto- in the broad wing. The wing of stones is now complete. The circle of warding is once again comprised of all nine stones. 128 experience to general. Circle of warding is complete all nine all nine of the stones are oh I'm blocking in one place apparently uh that hasn't apparently the circle of warding doesn't really do anything for some for an evil that's already in the town, so I'm gonna have to deal with it. Deal with what's already here, which unfortunately means I've got to beat up a lot more civilians. Because, well, that just seems to be the only option available. Investigate the meeting house. Moving across the gloomy, rain-swept town square with your every sense alert, you head for the meeting house. You reach the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening before cautiously making your way inside. The, the large hall on the western edge of the town square, long employed as Red Warren's meeting house, is filled with nearly two dozen wooden statues depicting historical personages of Teresa, while the meeting house serves as the centre of Red Warren's town government. It stands quiet and empty. A quick and cautious search of the premises of nothing of any particular interest. Alright, let's bug off then. Suddenly you're less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut, a soft footfall from behind sets your pulse racing, and you instinctively spin around, only to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description. Standing together, in the centre of the meeting-house, only a few yards from you, are seven men and women, their heads hung low, and their expressionless faces and, blink- and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor, slowly, nearly in unison, members of the silent... Ghastly horde raise their heads, transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by a ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. What happens if I fight them unarmed? Because I think that's, mo- that's less likely to leave permanent damage. It was, you know, as long as I don't punch too hard. Alright, someone has tr- someone has approached. Middle-aged woman, t- clutching an iron wad. You ex- execute a series of incredible strikes against your foe. Yeah, I'm just going to... Although One disadvantage for fighting unarmed is there are no specials. Which means that often you actually end up doing less damage. Perhaps there should probably be some sort of system in place to have some specials turn up for unarmed. You know, just so it's more even. So it balances as well with with the other powers for just sheer damage per time sort of thing. And it is subdued anyway. 21 XP. With a ghastly shriek, the possessed woman topples the floor at your feet. Despite having been battered during the fight, she takes solace in the fact that she has not been permanently harmed. Alright, here's the next one. It's a possessed old woman clutching a chunk of stone. Just gonna fight, 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 fight. Tries to stagger me. And subdued. To 1XB, is a possessed young woman clutching a splintered chair leg. Probably, probably from one of the many chairs in the meeting house. Subdued. On to number four. Clutching a jagged length of wood is a middle-aged man. There's going to be lots, lots of places to get lengths of wood, which you might have to make jagged on your own, though. 21 XP, possessed with a late woman, clutching a splintered chair leg, oh dear, it's going to be hard to have, to have the post, the post, post, the post possession meetings with all these broken chairs, oh well. I mean, they'll probably be, they'll probably be far too busy having naps. Because it's going to take them a little while to recover from all the whooping I've been doing. 21 XP. Possessed middle-aged woman with a jagged length of wood. Alright, she tries to stud me. Maybe it succeeded, maybe it didn't. I was we- I was clicking too fast to notice. Subdued. Another 21 XP. Possessed young man. Keep going. I'm stunned by a staggering blow. But doesn't matter, I'll just get get them in the next round. Twenty-one XP, a bit of healing. One hundred and seventy-six experience to general. You step back, maintaining a guarded stance. As your eyes scour the interior of the meeting house for any sign of danger. Much to your immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the meeting house. With one eye on the floor, you make a thorough search of the meeting house. Thorough search of the meeting house says i have nothing of any particular interest. Check them over, yep, yeah, they're, they're, they're fine, they're fine. Well, they will be fine, they, you know, they've got a lot of bruises on them, but uh, they'll all fade in time probably a lot less damaging than whatever they'll be forced to do if they keep getting possessed Well, there is no way there's no other option leave the meeting house you make your way out of the meeting house and back into the dark dreary Wainswept town square and heal all right to the church moving across the gloomy Wainswept town square every sense alert you head for the church you reach down to the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening before cautiously making your way inside. On the western edge of the town square, two, two buildings down from the meeting house, stands Wedwarren's only church. The well-kept structure is flanked by two massive stone scrup- sculptures, each monument masterfully depicting the symbol of Swithak, a mountain with a palm outward hand above it. The church and its well-maintained ground stand empty. A quick and cautious search of the premises turns up nothing of any particular interest for now, anyway, suddenly you're less than three steps from the floor when it suddenly from the door when it suddenly slams shut. a soft foot form from behind says your pulse waiting, and you instinctively spin around only to find yourself confronted by a fight site that defies description but which I'm going to describe anyway. <laughs> Standing together in the centre of the church, only a few yards from you, are seven men and women. Their heads hung low and their expressionless faces and unblinking blinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raises their heads, Transfer- transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by a ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into defensive stance, your mind races to come in a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. Alright, an old woman is coming at me with a wooden clutch. She is possessed, so I have to beat her up. This is viciously issues a stale for She tries to stun me. And so on, so on, so on. Bash, bash, bash. 21 XP. Possessed middle-aged woman wielding something. I was clicking too crap fast to even see what she's hitting me with. Oh, well. It's, it's a fairly modest option. Clutching a club is a possessed young man. Young man... There's no need to be mad, I say, young man. <laughs> you have been driven. Beating you makes me sad. i got to punch you because you're possessed by evil. And then I'm going to get it out of your head. Gonna beat up loads of folks in Wedwan Gonna beat up lots of folks in Red Warren. You cannot quit combat because you have to subdue. So it's gonna take quite a while. Twenty-one XP. Possessed middle-aged woman. First woman hisses as she hit, says she viciously assails you. She tries to stagger me. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'm doing the punching. Frog punching. No, no, toad punching. Which is far more deadly. Or something like that. Subdued. 22 XP. Next one. Possessed middle aged woman with a splintered table leg. Ooh, a whole table leg this time. Not a chair leg. A table leg. Alright. There's the last one. A possessed middle aged woman. Wielding a young. Wielding a wooden cudgel. But where'd she get that? Oh, well, I have no idea. I, guess, I don't know. Maybe no, 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 no. Whoever's behind them wasn't distributing weapons, because you know there'd be actual weapons. Probably just you know just a one that's just hung up on a bracket somewhere, just in case you need to or someone, because you never know when you might need to or someone. And subdued. Twenty-two XP. One hundred and seventy-six experienced to general. You step back, maintaining a guarded stance, as your eyes scour the interior of the church for any sign of danger. Much to immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from the battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the church. With one eye on the door, you make a thorough search of the church. A thorough search of the church turns up, nothing of any particular interest, or at least no, nothing I really have the time to take interest in right now. I mean there's there's a, really, there's a really nice stained glass glass on the glass in the western wall, but we haven't got time to appreciate the art historical significance of that stained glass. So we're not going to have to go past. I don't know if the churches in Tysa have stained glass, but I'm gonna assume since it's a medieval style world they will. Because it's just an assumption. It's really nice stained glass. I and mean, I mean we had coloured glass before, so it's not like you have to be a medieval society to make it, it's just that churches uh, went to town on it because, you know, God. You've got to show a God how much you like him by making a really nice church. Yeah, because if you make God a nice church, maybe he won't He won't smite you. Or be nice. <laughs> I mean, if if you're going to spend hours and hours praying about it, he might as well look nice. Leave the church. You make your way up the church and back to the dark, dreary, wainswept town square. Uh, time to have a little west first. You find what you think would be a safe spot to get some west. Having selected a secured and mu- reasonably safe spot for a bit of much needed west, you're about to settle down when a sharp hiss erupts out of the nearby darkness. You instinctively leap to your feet and draw yourself into a battle ready stance. It's yet another word where warrants, possessed citizens, strides out of the gloom and attacks. We've no desire to permanently harm your foe, but temporary harm is well on the table. You prepare to attempt to subdue the man. Possessed man, begin combat. My weapon is ineffective against this enemy. Oh no. No, punching won't help. Telekinetic blast, though, does. And he is subdued. 5 XP. With the possessed man now unconscious at your feet, you make certain no further danger is lurking about before at last settling down to rest. And now I'm fully healed. Alright. The rain is still heavy. To the merchant tile. Moving across the gloomy Wainscrap Town Square... With your every sense alert, you head for the Merchantile. You reach the front door of the building and spend several moments watching and listening before cautiously making your way inside. But apparently, no matter how much I check things, I'm still going to be took us by surprise. Red Warrant, small, well-kept. Merchantile stands on the northern side of the town square, not far from the tavern. The town's most important shop is filled with all manner of goods. Despite the parade of, the parade of townsfolk that normally move in and out, out through the merchantile's pegged open door, there is no sign of anyone in or around the shop. A quick and cautious search of the premise turns up nothing of any particular interest. Leave the merchantile. Suddenly... You're less than three steps from the door, when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing, and you instinctively spin around, only to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description. Standing together, in the centre of the merchant aisle, only a few yards from you are seven men and women, their heads hung low, and their expressionless faces and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raises their heads, transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by a ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. Alright, I'm fighting... A middle-aged woman with a crude knife. Uh, I don't have a crude knife. I'm using my fists. My tiny, tiny fists. And subdued. 21 XP. On to the next one. Possessed young woman with an iron poker. She's going to poke me. She pokes and she pokes and she pokes. But she is subdued. 22 XP. On to the next one. Possessed young woman with an iron wake. Oh no, not a wake! Or something like that. Anyway, subdued. 22xp. Possessed old man with a jagged length of wood. And so on and so on. Stepity stab. Step. Oh, Punchity punch, 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 punch. Subdued. Another 22xp. Possessed middle aged man with a crude knife trying to stab me but I'm just swatting swatting all those blows aside with my incredible fisticuffs 22 XP the next one, possessed middle aged woman with a splintered chair leg hisses is as he viciously assails you and is subdued alright, that now for the last of this This buildings it's an old man with a, with an iron wake I execute a series of incredible strikes against my foe and subdued 22 XP, bit of healing, 176 experience to general. You step back, maintaining a guarded stance, as your eyes scour the interior of the Merchant for any sign of danger. Much to immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. Uh, After taking nearly a minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the Merchantile. Make a thorough search of the Merchantile? Nothing of any particular interest. Well, there's there's many fine products here, but there's no merchant, so I can't buy anything. The possessed townsfolk you defeated here still lie strewn about the floor of the Merchantile. Check over them? Yeah, they're fine. Well they will be fine. Leave the Merchantile. You make your way out of the Merchantile and back into the dark, dreary rain-swept Town Square. Alright, there is the last famous building. Because apparently uh he doesn't this possessor does can't possess, you know, random people's houses. Just the big buildings. Probably because it doesn't have enough fine control to, you know use them. <laughs> Use them in a in a witty little house where they have to duck and things. Or something like that. Or it's just that the gang didn't want you to have to describe the House of Greglaw, the House of Smith, the House of Jones, the House of Greg, the House of Migat, the House of Pleatitude, the House of call the House of Crazy Old Jeff. Yeah, that that, that I mean, be fun for a bit. But going through going through twenty, it's another small house. Yeah, yeah, that, that would start to get a bit boring. I mean, it's pushing the limit just with just with these seven buildings. And if you had a hundred buildings you had to clear, yeah, that that'd be quite something. I mean, be a pain to white and not even that fun to do. So that that's why it's not done. Investigate the smithing Moving across the gloomy, wait town square, with your every sense alert, you head for the smithy. You reach the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening, before before cautiously making your way inside. Situated next to the mill, on the eastern edge of the town square, the smithy appears to be undergoing some much-needed repairs, despite its somewhat dilapidated state. The smithy remains amongst the busiest and most prosperous enterprises in Red Warren. Though normally in operation from dawn until dusk, the smithy remains silent and empty. A quick and cautious search of the premises turns up nothing of any particular interest. Right, leave, and then suddenly you are less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing. And instinctively spin around, only to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description. St- but just not that much. Standing together, in the centre of the smithy, only a few yards from you, are five men and women, their heads hung low, and their expressionless faces and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raise their heads, ...transferring their haunting gaze from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by a ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. Alright, this is an old man with a clued knife just gonna punch him to bits punchy 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 punch, punch 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 the old man 22xp on to the next one an old man with an iron wake sorry about beating up two old men in the world but that's what happens when thick people get possessed 22xp possessed old woman with an axe oh my Alright, dodging the axe blows, and she is subdued. 22 XP. Possessed old man with a wooden cudgel. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Incredible strikes, subdued. Possessed old man topples the floor at your feet. Despite having been battered in the fight, take solace in the fact he is not permanently harmed. With no time to dwell on your victory. You draw yourself into a combat ready stance. Prepare to face the last of your possessed foes. It's possessed middle-aged man wielding a chair leg. He hisses, assails you, tries to stun me, does all that stuff. The possessed people do apparently. And subdued. 22 XP. With a ghastly shriek, the possessed woman topples to the floor at your feet. Despite having been battered during the fight, you take solace in the fact that she has not been permanently harmed. Or he has not been permanently harmed. 144 experienced the general. You step back, maintaining a guard askance, as your eyes scour the interior of the smithy for any sign of danger. Much to your immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the smithy. With one eye on the door, we make throw a search of the smithy. In a dusty corner of the smithy, you find a wooden hatch set into the floor. A sturdy iron bar has been slid into place, securing the latch closed. You carefully remove the bar, then pull open the hatch, revealing a dark opening. Just inside the uh, inside the opening... Wests the top of a ladder. The ladder descends into a darkness for approximately 10 feet before its sturdy legs come to rest on a damp floor of stone and packed earth. It seems fairly obvious you've discovered the cellar of the smithy. Well, I guess I'll go down there. Maybe this cellar of the smithy connects to some place... Where we can find out what the heck is going on here, climb down into the cellar. You take one last look around, seeking any sign of movement within the smithy, before cautiously climbing down into the cellar. You're standing at the base of the sturdy wooden lager that climbs up and out of the smithy cellar. To the east, west and south, dank, musty passages disappear into darkness. Dim light spills down through the open hatch above, bathing you in its pale luminescence. Suddenly, while glancing upward, you think you can see what appears to be someone peering down through the hatch. You immediately reach for the ladder! You reach for the ladder, only to have it swiftly and silently fly upwards through the open hatch. Before we can react to the startling turn of events, the lowest of the ladder's rungs disappears through the opening above. And the wooden hatch slams shut. Oh, Even even if I could do my super toady jumps, I wouldn't be able to get out. You know, unless I jumped so hard I smashed the hatch, but that probably smashed me too. The toad sound of the iron bolt being slid back into place foos you. With dread, someone or something has just sealed you into the cellar. You're standing in the very spot where you first set foot in the smithy cellar. The east, west, and south dank, musty passages disappear into darkness. The ladder you used to climb down into the cellar is gone, and the hatch above has been bolted shut. Okay, I'm in. I'm in the middle of the dungeon, and it's this two squares to the southwest and southeast, and to the east and west. The passages almost meet up again to the north. All right, time to explore. Your dependable light source. Source, past the darkness as you warily you make your make way through the musty cellar beneath the smithy. All right, southeast corner, nothing there. Just east of the entrance, back to the entrance, going west of the entrance. Suddenly, as you... Your progress along the musty cellar comes to an abrupt halt as a woved, well, hooded figure emerges out of the darkness ahead. a faint blue glow emanates from the shadowy void beneath the figure's bulky black hood. You immediately recognise the sinister undead being to be a vile possessor. Presumably he's been doing some vile possessing around here. An undead, an abomination with the ability to possess the minds of the living. A powerful awe of fear envelops you as the Possessor moves silently along the passage towards you. Now there's a law book link for Vile Possessor, so of course I'll read that. Vile Possessor. Among the most feared of the undead, due to their ability to assume control over other creatures they come in contact with, are Possessors. Well, the most feared forms of these undead abominations are called vile possessors vile possessors typically haunt only the most secluded places while they have while they have the ability to possess the minds of humans and other creatures fortunately they didn't they didn't possess the horses cuz that could have been a bad time for everyone only very rarely do they venture out of the their the claimed lairs in search of souls to take possession of. It is said by a power said that powerful sorceresses, versed in the dark black act of necromancy, may be able to utilize certain mediums that will allow for the summonation and control of various types of possessors, included the dreaded vile possessor. So hmm so this could not just be a random monster attack, could have been some necromancer's scheme. Well, let's fight it, so it can stop vilely possessing people. Engage the hooded being, as the hooded being silently draws to within melee range. His white hand shoots out and grabs at you. You dodge to your left, narrowly voiding the shadowy clawed hand of your sinister sinister foe foe, as you launch a counterattack. It's a vile possessor. My weapon is ineffective against this enemy. Turns out, sometimes you can't just punch the ghosts. Who'd have thought it? Well, I have another option, the glowing bone fragment. The Glowing Bone Fragment flares brightly, but nothing else happens. Uh, Try again. The Glowing Bone Fragment flares brightly as its powerful magic assails your foe. Your enemy is drained for 99 damage. Your enemy is unable to attack this. around It resists the use of telekinesis sometimes, but other times it doesn't. Most of the time it does though. 17 XP. Alright, 17 damage. The glowing bone fragment, let's use it again. Nothing happens. The bone fragment has exhausted all its uses. Alright, telekinetic blast again. Keep trying. It doesn't work. 25 damage. Resists, 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 and 23 damage. Oh wait, I didn't have to use telekinesis because I don't care if I kill a vile possessor. It is slain. 128 experience to general. Okay, now I'm going to equip something magical in case I have to fight more of these things. Or... Anything else like that? One hundred and thirty-eight experience. Most of it going to telekinesis. Without a sound, the woe to being. Slumps to the floor of the passage. You. The, you step back from the remains of your enemy, and are shocked to discover only a crumpled heap, of tattered black robes remains in the spot where your enemy fell. Your, ha- your eyes are suddenly drawn to your left hand your left hand is emitting a faint pale blue glow after examining the tattered the black tattered robe left behind by a departed foe you will be certain it would be safe to take the garment if you so desire, it's a tattered black robes, they're common quality, one encumbrance they don't provide any stats at all maybe they do something here Maybe you equip them, You can uh, something will happen, oh, I'll take it. If nothing else, it can be added to my residence, as so I can put a little plaque saying, I found this when I was liberating Red Rowan. With no sign of anyone, anything else lurking in the nearby gloom, and no sound of movement anywhere along the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. My left hand emits a pink blue glow. OK, I'm going up the northwest passage. And it just yeah, it just terminates. All right. Your progress along the musty cellar comes to an abrupt halt as a robed, hooded figure launches out of the darkness ahead. A faint blue glow emanates from the shadowy void beneath the figure's bulky black hood. He immediately recognised the, un- the sinister undead being to be another vile possessor. An undead abomination, the ability to possess the minds of the living. yeah well with helmet with so many people being possessed, I guess it was beyond the work of just one of them. A powerful awe of fear envelops you. As a possessor moves silently along the passage towards you, and engage the hooded being. As the hooded being silently draws to within melee range... His white hand shoots out and grasps at you. You dodge to your left, narrowly avoiding the shadowy clawed hand of your sinister foe as you launch a counterattack. It's a vile possessor. The ghoulish possessor reaches out for you with glowing, non-corporeal hands. Uh, and I'm stabbing it. Since the defty chill the length of your body for some damage. Okay, keep going, and it is slain. Hundred and thirty eight experience. Without a sound. The world being jumps slumps to the floor of the passage. You step back from the remains of the enemy, and a shock to discover. Only a clumpered, clumped heap of tattered black robes remains in the spot where your enemy fell. Well not that shocked. that's exactly what happened with the previous one. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your dim your left hand. Your left hand now emits a dim blue glow. After examining the black, tattered robe left behind by a departed foe, you feel reasonably certain it'd be safe to take the garment, if you so desired. Alright, but what happens if I equip it? Of course, this will greatly lower my stats, but maybe something will happen. With no sign of anything else lurking in nearby gloom, and no sign of any movement anywhere along the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. You're standing in the southwest corner of the smithy cellar. Lying on the damp stone floor in the middle of the passage is a fist-sized, fist-sized grey stone shaped to resemble a skull. An unsettled feeling washes over you as your grace becomes inexplicably frozen on the curious object. A bright blue glow animates from the hollowed-out eyedness of the eerie stone. The unsettled feeling swiftly subsides, only to be replaced by a profound sense of dread. As you struggle to look away from the skull-shaped stone, you begin to think that this strange rock is somehow at the centre of the grim calamity that has befallen Red Warren. What happens if I can leave to the north or the east? What happens if I approach it? You step closer to the skull shaped stone and immediately overcome by a wave of nausea that leaves you momentarily breathless and disorientated. As you draw to within striking distance, the sinister stone begins to tremble. This is a skull shaped stone. Now, it has black difficulty, which, which means you're not supposed to fight it yet. That's what black difficulty means in the overwhelming amount of times. It means there's some things you've got to do first. There's a puzzle to solve. Or maybe you're just undertaking this adventure way too soon. Or maybe this is one of those things you're never supposed to actually fight. Or in the case of the the man with the weathered hat. The man in the leather hat... You're going to lose. You are going to lose because the man in the weathered hat is pretty much a god. And not just any old god, a supreme god. Who's just decided to kick your ass before giving you a nice present. The skull shaped So, well, I can begin combat with it. I mean, I, can do, I do do some damage... But it's got a heavy resistance and it's got a heavy anti-magic aura, so. Yeah, yeah, no, no. A wave of nausea washes over you as the wicked stone unleashes its silent attack. You know what? I think I have to do something else first. Time to run away. Run away. Run away. Run away from the stinky one. And so on. Okay, fled from combat. You stagger backwards, praying that a swift repeat will retrieve you beyond the range of the skull Skullstone, silent and deadly assault. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to be able to move. Presumably, it's got var possessors to do that for it. As the glowing stone was teased into the cells behind you, the sense of terror that overwhelmed you begins to fade. Okay, okay. Let's just leave that leave that alone for now. I can't get out yet because the ladder is still withdrawn. You're standing on the western edge of a short passage. Lie on the ground before you is the tattered black robe. Take the tattered black robe. You reach down and take possession of the tattered black robe. I now have three of them. Uh, ah, well, well. If you if one if you absolutely have to pick up this one, that you can't skip this one, like the other ones. After carefully examining the hooded robe, you decide it would probably fit you. Satisfied you haven't overlooked anything else, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Right, let's keep wandering around. Your progress along the massive cellar comes to an abrupt halt as a woed, hooded figure lurches out of the darkness ahead. A faint blue glow emanates from the shadowy void beneath the figure's bulky black hood. Blue glow, like from the stone. The cursed stone. This is also a skull. You immediately recognise the sinister undead being to be a vile possessor. An undead abomination, with the ability to possess the minds of the living... You're about to draw yourself into a defensive stance, when suddenly, the possessor stops and turns to face the opposite direction. Ah! Ah, because I'm wearing the tattered robe, it's ignoring me. Attack the the world being from behind. You deal a swift, well-placed blow from behind that staggers the robed figure. Before the silent, hooded being has a chance to recover from your surprise attack, You launch a bold and furious assault against the vile Possessor. The the ghoulish Possessor weatis out for you with its glowing non corporeal hands. Okay. It is slain. 135 exp. Without a sound, the woe to being slumps to the floor of the passage. You step back from the remains of your enemy and a shock to discover that only a crumped heap of tattered black robes remains in the spot where your enemy fell. Your eyes are subtly drawn to your left hand. Your left hand now emits a bright blue glow. After carefully examining the the black tattered robe left by your departed foe, you wish to be certain it would be safe to take the garments if you so desire. I'll take that one too. Yes, I could now set up... I can now set up a wizarding. I can now set up a budget wizard school. Very much better budget though. Yes, we only... We only teach one spell. And that's Lumos. Because we don't want to pay the lighting bills. With no sign of anything else lurking in the nearby gloom. And no sign, sound of movement. Else anywhere along the passage you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Alright, let's keep going round. So if you have the tattered robe equipped. Oh, here comes another vile possessor. I'm just going it, to... It's, it's caught off guard because he thinks, Oh, it looks like me! Because apparently it's a bit dumb. It hasn't realised the whole I having flesh thing. Which, which would probably be a dead giveaway to something that, you know wasn't practically, practically an incredibly practically a stupid AI in its behavior. So it can attack the hooded being from behind. You deal a swift, well-placed blow from behind, that staggers the world figure. Before the silent hooded being has a chance to recover from your si- surprise attack, you launch a bold and ferocious assault. Begin combat. The ghoul is possessor which is out for you with its glowing non corporeal hands. And it is slain. Another hundred and thirty five experience. Without a sound, the woed being slumps to the floor of the passage. I think oh you get less XP from that. It must be its MR is also lowered when you attack it from behind. You step back from the remains. Without a sound, the woad being slumped to the floor of the passage. You step back from the remains of your enemy. At a shock to discover only a clump, crumpled heap of tattered black robes remains in the spot where your enemy fell. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your left hand. Your left hand now emits a very bright blue glow. After carefully examining the black hooded robe left behind the departed foe, yep, I'll just take that, With no sign of anything else lurking in the nearby gloom, and no sound of movement anywhere along the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Alright, just gonna wander around just a little bit more. Dependable, your trusty light source parts the darkness as you make your way through the misty cellar beneath the twisty. Ah! Oh, it, it changes that it, it Sometimes it's trusted. Oh, I can attack. It's another vile possessor. Attack it from behind. Stab, she stab, 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 stab. It is slain. Another 135 XP. And now, my. without a sound. The woed being slumps to the floor of the passage, you step back from the remains of your enemy, and a shocked to discover, only a crumpled heap of tattered, black robes remains in the spot where your enemy fell. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your left hand. Your left hand now emits a dazzling blue glow. After carefully examining the black, hooded robe left behind by a departed foe, you will need to be certain it would be safe to take the garment, if you so desire, which I do. With no sign of anything else lurking nearby gloom, and no sound of movement anywhere along the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. All right, I think we should now be ready to take on that skull stone. It's in the southwest corner. bit of healing first, and there we go. You' have to lie. And it's the same as same as it was the first time we saw it approach the skull-shaped stone. You step closest to the skull-shaped stone and swiftly overcome by a wave of nausea that leaves you momentarily breathless and disorientated. As you draw to within striking distance, the sinister stone begins to tremble. It's a skull-shaped stone, but fortunately, now it's a free plus because apparently a. Uh, when I destroyed the vile possessors, all the power it'd been pumping into them, which it could quickly draw back in the case of a fight, is just, just, is just gone. It's just gone, and will probably take years for it to recover. And I'm not gonna give it that time. A wave of nausea washes over you as the wicked stone unleashes its silent attack. And it has a lot less health too. It's just easier in every way. It goes from a pretty much impossible fight... ...to an easy peasy fight. It is slain. 262 experience. With a sharp crack... ...the stalkscape shown suddenly shatters... ...into hundreds of small jagged fragments. Thin, black tines of weaving energy... Streep out across the cellar floor, forcing you to leap more than once to avoid being struck by the deadly energy. As the lightning flickers and fades, and the overwhelming sense of terror begins to recede, your eyes are drawn to a scorched mark on the floor. All that remains to watch mark the spot upon which the glowing stone rested. You suddenly note the glowing bone fragment in your possession has disintegrated. It's gone. Poof. Which is alright, because it couldn't do anything anyway. Because I used it the only two times you get to use it. It's really... Really not that powerful. With your eyes still fixed on the scorched mark of the floor at your feet, you lean back against the wall and attempt to collect your thoughts, and catch your breath in the wake of the stone's destruction. As you brush away two small, squ- two small squiders calling scraw- across the left side of your back, you suddenly become aware of the thundering echo of many footsteps crossing the floor above. It sounds as if all of Red Warren is now crowding the smithy. Well, hopefully, with, all, with those vile possessors dealt with, they'll, they'll be back to their normal... Non-crazy selfs. And, we'll be, and be able to, you know, lower the ladder. Which would be very handy, because I'm, I'm still stuck down here. After checking over your equipment, you realise it's time to see if you can last make your way out of the cellar. Alright, let's go to where the ladder was. And then I can call up for some help. You reach the spot where you first stepped into the dark cellar and stare up at the closed hatch. The mingled sound of footfalls and voices from above serve to wage your spirits. Through you remain on your guard. You've begun to think the strange nightmare that descended upon Warren. A nightmare you unwittingly walked into is at last over. After waiting for several moments, intently listening to the sounds of movement across the floor above, you call out for someone to open the hatch. Seconds later... The sound of something heavy being pushed off the wooden hatch reaches your ears, and the iron-banded slab of wood is drawn back, flooding the cellar with bright golden light. The The ladder is once again lowered down through the opening. As you step onto the first rung and look upwards, your heart nearly skips a beat, staring down at you through the open hatch, a head and shoulders framed in the flickering light in the room above. It's the tattooed woman you encountered shortly after your arrival in Red Warren. Hmm, I'm guessing, well, I, don't, I guess she probably managed to hold off the possession and give me just a little bit of help. I mean, that was all she could do. Woman, who previously displayed not the slightest hint of emotion, smiles before withdrawing from the opening and disappearing. Eager to meet up with her and learn her identity, you spring up the wooden the wood lungs the worn lungs of the ladder, and climb through the open hatch into the well lit and crowded Smithy. Despite your overwhelming relief relief to find the good citizens of Red Warren no longer possessed, although a good many of them bear marks that attest to the brutal struggle you waged to battle them into submission. "'It is made there is no sign of the tattooed woman. "'The first thing you notice upon leaving the smithy "'is the it has stopped. "'Oh, that's nice. "'Although the main square and the thoroughfare running through it are, "'remain hopelessly muddy, "'the churning clouds under which you liberated the town "'have begun to give way to a few broad columns of sunlight. "'You immediately seek out Red Warren's magistrate, "'a plump, white-haired man named Jeweldeer, whose bruised and battered face is, unfortunately, vaguely familiar to you. You believe you recall battling him in submission in the meeting house. Drawing him aside, you introduce yourself and provide him with a full account of everything that has occurred since your arrival in town, taking care to leave out some of the more gruesome details. Through the magistrate and all those possessed, have no recollection of the events of the last couple of, couple of days, your story is collaborated by groups of returning townsfolk who fled into the forest at the outset of Red Warren's nightmare. The rider, hisses, is drawing his fist to his lips. There's a strange traveller, a known horseman, that passed through two days ago. Silent fellow. Saw him take an undue bit of interest in our circle of warding. Well I approached him, he rode off. Never said a word to me. Never uttered a word to anyone while he rode through. It was shortly after he had gone, the same night in fact, that we noticed that three of the stones of Warding were missing. Yoldor tells you he believes the silent stranger stole the stones and then, the Circle of Warding no longer able to protect, protect the town, used some sort of dark magic against Red Warren and his people. Although you appreciate the logic of this proposition, you are only uncertain of the role, if any, this lone rider may have played in the g- cut town's ghastly ordeal. Yordor, thanks you for returning the warding stones to their rightful place. A skull-shaped stone, did you say? Yordor shakes his head as you repeat for him the part of your account that describes the stone's destruction in the cell of the smithy. I should have. M- I should have, have have a look at the market left, but not just yet, mind you. My head's still aching, and my knees feel about ready to buckle. I'm grateful, of course, that you saw fit to spare Sir Crocetton, given our state. Very grateful indeed. Yes, you'll do if he knows anything further about the Lone Wider, including where he might have been headed. He wasn't young. The can't say that he was old either, he says. Through. We well, I didn't really get a very good look at his face. He wore a wide-brimmed leather hat and a blue cloak. Or was it green? Hmm. Wait. Leather hat? The, the man in the leather hat? Yes, green, I think. I don't know where he was going, but I'm glad to see him leave still. I suppose it's mostly conjecture to think he had anything to do all with this, to be completely honest. I don't know what to think about any of this. You follow up your question about the rider by asking the woman about the magistrate the name of the woman with the tattooed face woman you, you last saw just before you climbed out of the cell of the Smithy, less than an hour ago. Your, your frowns and shakes his head. There's nobody in a town like that," he says. "Never, ever seen. I've never seen anyone anywhere in the town that matches that description. You store here in town. Stars all over her face. Realizing he knows nothing of the woman, you tell him you might have been mistaken about appearance, and you allow the matter to rest. yorda moving with obvious discomfort, a lasting token of your exceptional combat prowess, which you can't help but feel somewhat guilty. Meets you on the shoulder cross, and thanks you for delivering Redwan and its populace out of the jaws of a sinister and gruesome fate. Heard of you, Sir Crokinson, he says, but then who in these parts hasn't? I'll say again that I'm grateful you wandered your way when you did. And I mind that I'd, I mind that I'd never get any notion to cross you. If these bruises are any sort of testament to your battle skills. I'd rather not find myself at odds with you, not ever. So, what was it that brought you out our way to begin with? Mentioning neither the strong box nor your meeting with Mordred in Hawklaw, you told your your daughter, you're looking for Leo Milson. a man you believe to have believe, you believe is to be found somewhere in Weddwarren. Magistrate gives you a quizzical look and then shrugs. If it's Leo. Lil' Milson you came here seeking. He's found easily enough, he says. Though I can't figure out what someone like you would have in the way of business with someone like that. His place is north of town a ways, off by itself, much like Lure himself. He's a strange bird, that one. I don't know of anyone to have a quarrel with him. Although I don't know anyone who has anything at all to do with him in the first place. Your tells you that Lear's family was once among the most prominent in the region. When you ask what became of the family since, he shakes his head. Old Wilson, as we knew him, Lear's father, that is, was always a bit off. If you follow me, for he was a good nature mostly. He says when he died, and his wife shortly after him, their four boys, well, to put it plainly, fell into badness. The oldest took his own life. Two of them wandered off and never returned, and the youngest of them, Lear, well, he's still here, living in one of the old, old Milsons' bought orchard buildings. It was Lear, mind you, who torched his family's ancestral home. The magistrate smiles and shakes his head. Enough about all that. If you're looking for Lear, your reasons for doing so, so are none of my business. Perhaps you already know what I've told you. In any event, you'll find his place on the road leaving north of town. Oh, i you be sure to stop back this way before you leave us. Your dear hovers up. You can't hope but wince when you think of the necessary through non-lethal violence you employed against the possessed citizenry of Red Warren. You do sincerely hope you will never again find yourself faced with such a difficult and unavoidable predicament. On the northern outskirts of Red Warren, just beyond the overgrown remains of an, o- an abandoned orchard, you find the Wamshackle single womb residence of Lear Milson. The thin, middle-aged man invites you in, and quickly offers you some freshly brewed paleo he's just taken off the fire. When you relate to him the horrifying events that have taken place in town, he stares at you in stock disbelief and shakes his head. ''I don't get into town very much,'' she says, ''but I think that something of that nature could happen right under my nose.'' ''And I've known nothing about it,'' says Ghastly. ''I do hope everyone's all right. They are, aren't they?'' ''After describing for him your victory over the dark forces that held the town in their terrifying grip, ''Law pours both of you more paleo.'' ''I don't know if it's related, but a strange fellow passed by here, not more than three days back.'' He. He says, as you conclude your account, he wore a green cloak. And had, had on a leather hat, a very wide brim to it. I heard his horse clomping along for a good stretch, and I came out and waved to him, but he never even turned to look at me. I don't. I. I didn't care for his look, mind, or for the way he carried himself. Do you think he might have had any hand in any of this? You immediately recognise that Lure's account of the Lone Wider watches up with the description given to you by Ludor. Realizing that Lure is waiting for you to answer his question, you shrug your shoulders and tell him that you're not certain. You suddenly recall the purpose of your visit. You retrieve the iron bolt strong box from among your possessions. You then great gladly set the weighty container down on the unseaved, uneven surface of the wobbly table at which you're seated. Will you tell Laura that you came to wed war and deliver him this box at the quest of paleo emergent Mordwin. A look, look of confusion spreads across the face of your host. I've never heard of the name, he says, examining the box. I've heard of the I've heard of the name, he says, examining the box, but I've never met this Mordwin fellow. He gave you this for me? What is it? Shall I open it? Yes. I, I think I'll open it. Okay, I mean, maybe, maybe the debt was to his his gra- to his daddy, to his father, who you know not around anymore, and it just got passed on to him. Yeah, in which case that that could explain why he never met Mordwin. And I, uh, yes, I mean the text did explain this debt has been. Hanging around for quite a while, so maybe it did end up skipping a generation. Or it's all a weird setup. Without much to your surprise, without using any sort of key, Lear effortlessly flips back the sturdy lid, revealing the contents of the strongbox. Lear reaches into the strongbox and repeat, retrieves a black patch, a small quantity of gold and a wooden box. He peeks into the black pouch and then opens the box. Much to surprise, he promptly closes the small container, small container, and slides it across the table to you. I've no use for those. Perhaps you can make use of them. I've never been able to figure out what purposes these serve. You flip open the small box, and i pleased to discover it contains four adventurer tokens. After thanking Glur, you properly scoop up the valuable to- currency. That's another four adventurer tokens. I still don't know what all this means, he says. I've never met Maudrim. What reason has he to give me all of this? As you safely put away the adventurer tokens, you take note of Lear as he places his left hand atop the black pouch he removed from the strongbox, a pouch he peeked into only moments ago. He slowly draws the saw cloth bag toward himself, with his hand covering the pouch. He continues to sip at the steaming payload. So I can ask what the black pouch contains, or realise this is... A pri- this is. Uh, I really want to know what it contains. Lear fidgets nervously, and initially says nothing in response to your inquiry. Then... In a wavering voice that betrays his unease. He changes the subject, as he carefully sips from his mug of steaming paleo. Oh, right, I could ask further, but apparently, apparently, he doesn't want to talk about it. I mean, who would know? Who who would know? You no, know I'm not going to question him. I decide against questioning him further. Satisfied to have made the delivery, and having no desire to intrude upon his privacy. You decide against making any further inquiries with regards to the black pouch and its mysterious contents. After finishing your paleo, you rise and bid Lur farewell, eager to depart from Redwarren and return to Hawklaw. Now, if you did question him further, he would throw his paleo at you, then fight you, and you still wouldn't find out what was in the pouch. Perhaps. Something to do with the vile possessor, I assume. If, it, if it's something that can just make someone suddenly attack someone. After seeing, seeing you out and thanking you again, Lure lingers on the doorway, watching as you make your way along the lonely road that leads back into town. As you head back through the town square on the way out of Red Warren, and, and there you again encounter the Magistrate Yordor. Busy directing the clean-up, Pepper, now on way throughout the town square. Takes you aside and thanks you. It's providence that you came to us when you did, he says, stooping to scold several several children, pit, pitching rocks nearby. I shouldn't think what fate lay in store for us if you hadn't had had arrived. I trust you found Lear. Without elaborating on the details of his visit with Lear, you simply nod in response to the inquiry, taking your leave of Noldor, You wish him well and tell him you'll be happy to return to Wedwardon some day, though you are not certain you'll be in a hurry to deliver any more packages. He meets you on the shoulder quads and wishes you a safe journey before heading off in the direction of the mill. You trek back to Hawklaw Haul- but between- your trek the trek back to Hawklaw proceeds without incident. As you make your way along the small winding roads that serve to carve a path through the rugged but beautiful hart hills, you begin to wonder how quickly word of Red Warren's recent ordeal was spread throughout the region. Now and again, your thoughts return to Bodwin, the locally renowned paleo merchant, at whose request you made the fateful deli- journey to Red Warren. Though you do not believe he has played any part in what has occurred here, you hope to be able to speak with him Sunday and ask him about the, usual, the unusual delivery you made on his behalf. The lone rider, described to you by Yldor, and the tattered woman you encountered on more than one occasion during your adventure, linger as unanswered questions in the back of your mind. As the first of Hawclaw's outer dwellings loom into view just up ahead, you're greeted by the welcoming smell of wood smoke. With your journey now at an end, the weariness that plagues your limbs, and your mind seems to melt away as you turn and head for the stoneback, eager to plank yourself before the hearth, even at the risk of having to endure. Another one at Pelopon's long-winded, twice-told yarns. Besides, you're but certain you've got them are the makings of a side tale, worth an hour or two, and that is the end of this adventure. And I get... 4096 experience to general and 512 experience to all skills and powers and it doesn't unlock any other adventures and that is that what will i be doing next well well i'll be continuing to explore the crumbling tower but I'm not sure when that will advance to the next stage, and thus we'll get an episode released. And, uh, well, there's one more thing to do in Hawklore, and that's Snowy Dusk. I guess we'll do that next. But anyway, until then, farewell fellow adventurous